0: Jesus name. Amen. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter four, verses thirty one through thirty seven. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, family. Isn't it good to worship with each other this morning? It is, it is, it is. Family, what do you think about when you get an account like this? Truly, I'm asking the question. When you see an account like this, what do you think? I would bet that even here in this room, there's a high percentage of people who think that this story is too crazy to believe. Believe that it's an old, wise tale. But let me remind you today that this is the word of God. Amen, church? So friends, let's submit to it. Believe it. Trust it. Let it interrogate us more than we interrogate it, as we ought to do. Amen, church? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we need to be delivered. We need to be delivered today. I believe that. I believe that some people in this room today will be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ by the working of your word through its ordinary means as we read the scriptures today. May your word Enliven our hearts to make us people who trust you and obey you, walk with you. And Father, I pray today against the power and the schemes of hell, against the powers and schemes of the evil one, against the powers and schemes of the devil. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us today to see Christ for who he is, to see him as authoritative, loving and merciful at the same time, full of grace and truth. Father, would you help us today? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's Jesus teaching on a Sabbath in Capernaum at a synagogue, which was like a church building for its day. If you remember last week's message, Brother John Mark preached on Jesus being rejected in his hometown in Nazareth. you guys remember the story? In Nazareth, he is proclaiming that today in your midst, this word has been fulfilled. And immediately, the people of Nazareth get upset. Push them to the edge of a cliff. And then Jesus has to do what only Jesus can do, which is slip through a mist and go to another town. Jesus went from Nazareth... A higher, mountainous place to Capernaum, which was at sea level. Friends, would you mind putting up on the screen that map that I I sent you this morning? I don't know if you guys can see it well. But as you look at the higher, mountainous place of Nazareth, I believe what Luke is doing here in verse 31 is this. He's setting the stage for what is to take place to truly understand the nature of the kingdom, that the high and low contrast communicates that while Nazareth was high in elevation, the people were also in a place of highness, which means pride. And what we saw last week, oh yeah, they tried to kill Jesus because of his word. And you compare that with Capernaum. And you get quite the opposite. Capernaum, which was lower in elevation geographically, was low also in humility. They were not prideful. They heard his word. They received his word with humility. And were a fertile ground for receiving the miraculous news of Jesus Christ. It says they were astonished at his teaching. And in fact, this is before Jesus' first public miracle. Jesus hasn't even done a public miracle yet, and they're astonished at his teaching. They were just amazed at what he was teaching. The Capernaum folk had it right. They saw that Jesus taught the scriptures as one who had authority, and not just like a teacher of the law or a scribe, Like Mark 1.22 says, which gives a similar account. With every word from Jesus came a Holy Spirit infused power that was weighty and powerful. They could tangibly feel the weight of the kingdom of God when he spoke. Every word he uttered was a proclamation of the kingdom of God. When Jesus speaks... Friends, you cannot help but be astonished at what he says. Are you astonished, church, when you hear Jesus' teaching from his holy word? Are you astonished, church? You can respond to the word in a couple ways. Either one way, apathy. Apathy. Indifference, hate, or the other way, the faithful way, which is to be astonished at the words of Jesus. Now, friends, while Jesus was teaching, a man possessed with a demon in him, yes, a demon, I said a demon, came through and made his presence fell. One thing that is super great about Jesus is this. When Jesus is interrupted in his talking, it's never really truly an interruption. One thing that Jesus is always capable of is dealing with distractions. They are never too much for Jesus. He's not flustered, he ain't scared either. But while he's teaching the good news, he comes here comes the power of hell in the form of a demon, yes, I said a demon again, to try to stop God's plan. But say it with me, you can't stop God's plan. Thank you, John Kuhn, I appreciate it. Now, friends, we're, we're not going to make much about the demon today. I said it oh, about three or four times today, we're not going to make much about him today, other than the truth he utters about Jesus and how Jesus had authority over it. Because there are two dangers with making too much of the demon today. C. S. Lewis can say it a lot better than I can. In his famous book called The Screwtape Letters, in his preface, C. S. Lewis utters one of his most famous quotes about demons in a postmodern society. Here's what it says. It's up on your screen as well. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. What does this quote mean? It means one that a person can function as a magician of sorts in C.S. Lewis's terms and have the danger of making too much out of the demonic realm. Sometimes life is just chaotic, y'all. Can y'all testify to that? I remember getting a flat tire cap one time, y'all. I was driving. He's already starting to laugh. He knows the story I'm telling. I got a flat tire one day when I needed my car probably the most. And I go and I change the tire and I get underneath the hood, the, I mean, the, the bottom of the car. And I start unrolling the, 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 the spare tire. I look at it. I put it on. It gets flat too. And I'm like, oh, man, come on, man. Can I catch a break today? <laughs> and now when that happened, sometimes I could function as a magician. And I started saying, the devil is a lie. But I don't know if that was the case. I think I had let my flat tire uh, go a little bit too long because I heard it hit. And then also my spare tire was super old. So there you go. <laughs> could have been that? Sure. But could it be that through sins entering the world, as sometimes life's material things tend towards brokenness. Romans 8 seems to suggest that even the created order is awaiting a time when things will be set right. Life east of Eden tends towards the weeds, which I learned from our pastors here. It really helped me understand this. Things tend to decay. Our food market industry spends billions per year trying to get the preservatives right. And sometimes the south side has nails and potholes. Sometimes what we call demonic is not actually that. But I'm actually a little bit less concerned about that for us, like over-spiritualizing things. The opposite danger, under-spiritualizing things, or the materialist, subjects everything only to the natural order of things. Even the Bible and what it says Through whatever criticism technique we want to use and employ and apply today. With our eyes being enlightened, as they would say in Western civilization, we look at passages like this and go, surely it doesn't mean demon here. That is an old way of thinking. But friends, let's go ahead and like pop that bubble today and right now and say that demons were real. In the Bible. Meaning Hebrews and Greeks were not stupid. They didn't just call people with illnesses such as epilepsy or insanity demon possessed. Because they didn't know better or were not civilized enough or lacked the scientific data we now possess. Instead when they were unwell or sick or had seizures... They called them as such. And you will find it later in the Gospels as we go forward. They called them sick if they were sick. Unwell if they're unwell. Seizures if they're seizures. But when they had a demon, they called them as such. And demons are still real today, church. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our fight is not with flesh and blood, as some would suppose. Let me give you one somewhat modern example of this. Our friends at the IMB, the International Mission Board, released a story right before the pandemic about a woman's missionary in a small Nepalese rural church so the Global East. Listen to what the Global East has to say to the West today. Here's what it says. Leave. Here it is. Leave, or I'll eat you, she shrieked. This is from Carolina, a missionary in the Nepalese church. All the eyes of the Nepalese rural church widened as a woman writhing on the floor wailed those terrifying words, Leave, or I'll eat you. I was standing next to Darshita when she first collapsed onto the blue tarp minutes earlier. She was still at first and seemingly unconscious. Then she appeared to have a seizure. Although Darshita only weighed about 90 pounds, she became a heavyweight. As she writhed and railed on the ground. Almost immediately, the Holy Spirit led me to discern it was an evil spirit. I dropped my moleskin notebook and pen and fell to my knees to pray in Jesus' name for the demon to come out of her. The Lord brought to my mind the story of Luke when Jesus encountered Legion. There could be more than one Jesus, excuse me, more than one demon, I thought. My prayers continued, but nothing happened. For a moment, doubt crept in, and I wondered why my prayers weren't working. I didn't dwell on that. I knew my God was stronger than what was inside this woman. Can you testify that our God is stronger than what was inside this woman? Others joined me in praying, but still nothing happened. Then Darshita shrieked and thrashed about, then went limp. Several times she came out of a daze and looked at her hands as horror and despair consumed her, meaning the Holy Spirit's prompting in her life of more than one demon was correct. But it doesn't have to be crazy stuff like that or some IMB missionaries experience in the East before we can realize that demonic powers are at play all the time. We can see demonic influence in everyday ordinary stuff. James puts it in this way in James 3:14 through 16. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. You hear that word demonic? For where You have envy and selfish ambition. There you will find disorder in every evil practice. Have you ever seen this in your midst, church? Then you might have seen the influence of demonic unawares. Yo, demons and their influence are real. We may know down to the littlest microbial, down to the DNA, but no one has ever solved the origin of Egypt, evil. We don't need a war or a pandemic before we can testify that evil exists in our world. And demons embody evil. Friends, they may be a little bit less subtle here than what you hear from your missionary friends. On the battlefront in the West, but best believe, we got enemies here. We do. I was listening to a song by it was an old older rap Christian rap song called Manolo. Have you guys ever heard it before? Manolo, Lecrae. You heard it? Thank you. You know, Lecrae in the, sec, in the second verse says, we got enemies and they lurking. And he goes, pow, pow, pow. Friends, that song is great. Go listen to it. It's awesome. It's not I, One of my favorite things this week was uh, having that song on repeat uh, and then looking at some of the comments and seeing, oh, wait, he's not talking about a gun from non-believers and non-Christians. He's talking about the Bible. (laughs) It's so good. Friends, we don't need to be worried or afraid. If indeed you know God, if you are in Christ, then there's a strong man that lives in your house that no thief can bind. The book of James says, submit yourself then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. My friends in this room, are you submitted to Christ? Are you submitted to Christ? Because there's no power from God in you unless you are submitted in Christ. You are an open target for the schemes of the evil one with no protector. If you haven't submitted to Jesus before in your life. Friends, if you have though, it's one of the benefits of walking with Jesus. Not the absence of problems or pain, but in Christ you will receive the protection of God. And ultimately victory over evil, sin, and death. Today is a day, friends... If you look around the room and you see somebody in here, and they just look like they have the peace of God in their life, you've seen struggles in their heart. You've seen them go through some hard things, but yet you don't have that same peace, and they do. Then today is the day to give your life to Jesus Christ. He will give you the protection of God from the evil one, from demons. That you so long for. The peace of God will reign in your hearts through Jesus if you submit to him. Receive the protection of God through Jesus Christ today. And how do we know that Jesus is capable of providing the protection that we need? Well, we have it right here in our text. Right here in this passage. It's a new thing that only Jesus, the Holy One of God, could do. Not even the Old Testament prophets, such as Moses and Elijah, could duplicate what Jesus did here in this story. Let's look at it again in verse 33 through 35. you throw that up there for me, Devin? By the way, I appreciate you guys back there. Can we give them a hand back there for blessing us? Many New Testament scholars, such as Joel Green or Justo Gonzalez or others, point to the fact that this encounter would have been new to the people of Capernaum. A different kind of authority. While many of the Old Testament prophets performed the same healing miracle signs that Jesus does in the book of Luke, which meant that the kingdom of God was really among you, none had encountered Jesus' healing power like this. None has seen a prophet of God be so dominant over demons like this. Look at how the demon responds to Jesus. We see the demon is crying in a loud voice, a loud voice in a church, no doubt. Could you imagine that? Like we're talking today, we're having a church service and all of a sudden a dude stands up and starts yelling at the person who's speaking. That'd be crazy, right? That'd be wild. And not, not only that, we see the, the demon saying this. Just as rude as he could be, y'all. He yells it either in Greek, let us alone. Like Jesus, let us alone. Or very indignant, ha! That would stop everything, wouldn't it? We're all in here chilling and somebody gets a, ha! Or, let us alone. I don't want to hear this truth. Either way, it's disrespectful at its core. The demon hates Jesus because of who he is. He says, what have you to do with us? Or why this intrusion Or why now? It ain't time for you to destroy us yet. I know who you are. Remember, this is loud. You're the holy one of God. But the demon also knows that he wants to stop God's plan. But James again says in James 2.19, that the demons believe and shudder. And here is the demon even proclaiming that rightly Jesus is the Holy One of God. But the way and timing of this proclamation is not of the kingdom of God and therefore adversarial or counterproductive to the movement of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Jesus, therefore sternly, not nicely, he wasn't like, hey, would would you you, uh, be quiet? Tone it down a little bit. Um, Could you be quiet just a little bit? I'm I'm speaking here. Uh, Be silent, please. No, Jesus says with authority, be silent and come out of him. And so the demon throws the man down. But because Jesus is in complete control, even of the physical order, the man who is thrown down is not even hurt in the process. Look at the mercy of Jesus. It mentions nothing about if the man was a good man or not. But nonetheless, this man was made in his image, so did, Jesus did him no harm. Friends, I want you to go home this week and ponder by yourself or with your community group the tenderness of Jesus this week and the way he treated the demon-possessed man. It'll be good for your soul. Just ponder it. Think about it. What is this word? That's why people say in verse 36, what is this word, they for now got it right, the people of Capernaum, that it's not only astonishment at his teacher, uh, at his teaching authority, which the Greek word is exousia, but also his power, dunamis, in which the word we get the word dynamite in our in our words today in English. It's, it is the authority of Jesus. And his teaching ministry that comes first before all. But it is the dunamis of God that presents a sign confirming that the kingdom has really visited you. And remember, this is a new sign. Jesus truly is the Holy One of God. Defeating his enemies. Even the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly places. In the heavenly realms. Even if at this moment it's not the time to be truly revealed. Jesus was victorious. But friends, it was not the time. Jesus had a different way of getting complete victory over Satan and his crew. And friends, it didn't look like military might. It looked more like a bruised heel, but a crushing blow, blow to the head of serpents. serpent. It looked more like a bruised heel, but a crushing blow to the head of the serpent. It looked like the cross of Christ and his resurrection. And not even the folks of Capernaum could see this coming. Now, here's some application I want to give you before I close. The people of Capernaum did not know that the ultimate victory over the demonic forces and hosts was going to come through the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. They had no idea. But they were so excited to see the power of God moving in this way that they shared the word of Jesus all over the world. Once you see Jesus like this, you can't help but share the good news all around you. That's an application for you today. Verse 36 said that they started saying to one another, what is this word? So much so that the reports about him went into every place. Family, don't you want the word of Christ to not only to not only stay in our hearts, but also to get out and ooze into every sphere of influence and everywhere we go? Not only that. When we hear the stories of Jesus, people get delivered from sin, sickness, demons, and death. Do you want to see people to get delivered, church? Then preach and teach the good news of Jesus Christ. My second application to you is actually probably before we get to a place where we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to trust Jesus. We need to trust him. We have to get to a place of trust. You guys remember why this account was written? It was written to Theophilus and us for the purpose of giving us certainty about the things we have been taught. Not like wishy-washiness about it, but certainty. Like facts with an X, you know? Thanks, amen. But I would bet, here's the thing, here's the thing I, I, I'm, I'm thinking. I think one of, you know, doing some of the neighborhood ministry stuff yesterday, hearing some of the comments, I think one of the things that gets in the way of us sharing the gospel And us being people who trust in the good news of Jesus Christ. Just to trust in Jesus for our own sake and our own lives. I think is this. We're skeptical. When we read the scriptures. Do we see them as the authoritative word of God? Or do we see them as some old wise tale? When we Read the word of God. Do we see them? Do we see the stories of Jesus as what they are? Truth. Friends, it's, it's inevitable. Well, I won't say that. I'm going to backtrack. It did not have to be inevitable. It did not have to be. But it does happen frequently enough. To where we know that doubt happens in the Christian life. God is very patient with doubters though. But for your sake. Don't let it get out of hand. Like today. Don't let it get so far out of hand. That it starts creating trust issues. You ever see that in relationships. In your family. In your marriage. You start doubting whether or not they love you or not. Or whether they actually care about you. And there's a rift you know, and that rift happens, and it takes a, a it gets a harder and harder the longer you let it marinate. You know, and what I want to say today, I was just thinking about it this morning as I was thinking about this story, that the story of Thomas. You guys remember the story of Thomas? Jesus was very patient with doubt with with Thomas who was doubting. Thomas. Said, I won't believe until you give me a sign, until so I can put my hands into that cross stricken hand, into that side that's been pierced. I will not believe until that happens. So, what does Jesus do? In his mercy, he shows up. He's like, Hey, Thomas, you gonna believe now? Put your hand there. Put your hand there. How do you feel now? You believe? Friends, your faith is not only plausible, but it's a fact. Jesus is cool like that, you know. Merciful like that to people who uh, are struggling and doubting. But he did give Thomas a rebuke. And this is what I mean by that rift. He didn't skirt around truth. He said, hey, Thomas, I love you. But blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. And for us today, we have not seen firsthand in person. But we are not blind. We have the authority of the scriptures and the stories of Christ, authenticated by oral tradition Many manuscripts and first-hand accounts. We're not blind. Jesus really did historically walk on the earth, and his truth is, still remains today. Don't let Satan and his minions steal your joy by allowing him to make you believe that this is not true. And Remember, even if you sometimes do doubt, you can run back to Jesus and say, I believe. Help my unbelief. Y'all yeah, remember that father in Mark chapter 9? He had a son who had a demon in him. He wanted to so badly for the demon to get out of his son. He had no other hope. Went to the disciples. The disciples couldn't do it. They couldn't cast out the demon. Jesus had to come down. He said, hey, this, this demon can't be cast out by anything but prayer. He also said some other things about, man, and faithless generation. We'll, we'll skip that today. Okay. But Jesus comes down and instead of just rebuking the Father, he receives him with mercy and he heals the Son. Today, I want to make the case for you, church family, that we need to recover this truth. We are not to be afraid of demons. But well, they do exist. We don't. We neither over-spiritualize things or under-spiritualize things. But we accept what Jesus says is true, and we walk in His authority through the power of the Spirit who lives and dwells in us. And He who is in us is greater than He who's in the world. Amen, church. Amen. Well, if you would stand with me, I would like to say a prayer over you. And I would like to invite the worship team to come forward and just kind of strum for a little bit uh, before our last song. And, hey, I I just want to invite you today. If you're somebody in who's been struggling with believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, with believing the scriptures, then I want you to take a second and ponder, what would life look like if I just trusted Jesus today, if I just trusted his word, And if you're okay with this, if you're struggling, please go to a neighbor and let them know, hey, I'm struggling with this. I haven't been reading my word. I I, I don't really believe it. Lord, I, I want to change my heart, help my unbelief, and confess that to a brother or sister. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will do that for you because he's merciful and he's kind and he loves you. And so while during this last song, please don't leave here if you're dealing with that. Deal with Jesus today. And the altar is always open too if you want to just deal with Jesus by yourself. You can come kneel down before him and tell him, I want more of your word in my heart and I want to believe it's true. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for everyone in this room who came this morning. Thank you so much, Lord, that Jesus has authority over Satan, sin, and death. I thank you, Lord, that today we can understand more of the gospel just by simply reading it, hearing from you. And Father, I pray for a supernatural move of your spirit to come upon us. Lord, and help us to do something very, what seems very ordinary, but very, very big, which is to trust your word, trust it against all the other skepticism we have, trust it against all the other things that, in the culture that tell us to not believe it, and Father, I pray that we would trust you today above and against all of that, and Lord, I pray that you would supernaturally move in our hearts to love the Bible, to love the word to meditate on it day and night and to feast on it. I pray all this in Jesus' name.